Lord, we feel your presence with us. Even for those who are joining us online, Lord, I'm sure that they've been singing their song and feeling your presence wherever they are. Lord, it's our prayer tonight that um, as we move into the rest of our service that uh, we would uh, rest in your presence, that your spirit would rest on us and, and we would rest in you. Lord, we uh, give you honour, all the glory, all of our love and worship uh, this evening to you. And uh, we pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to worship and sing later, but why don't, for now, why don't you take a seat? Uh, welcome to Door of Hope, by the way. My name is Ben, and I'm uh, on the team here, and uh, we uh, get the privilege of joining together a couple of times every week uh, in worship of, of God and, and to open His Word and, and to learn from Him and to learn from each other and, um, and share with each other. And uh, we've got a great opportunity to do that this evening. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've actually been asking you whether you have any questions uh, because uh, we have an opportunity tonight. We have um, invited a few uh, people that we really respect uh, from our congregation to um, help us uh, journey through and perhaps uh, demystify uh, some things for us. And uh, we've asked uh, you to send us some questions, and uh, you have done that. We've got more than enough, which is fantastic, uh, and we will not be able to get to all of them this evening, but uh, we'll get to tackle quite a few of them. So I'd like to uh, invite our panellists up, and could you join me in uh, welcoming them uh, as they come on up? Oh, yep. Cozy. Um, we uh, said this morning, it is such uh, an important thing to ask questions, and uh, particularly if we want to uh, grow in our faith uh, in Jesus, and we want to um, uh, be closer to Him, we, we almost, we, we can't do that unless we ask questions. Uh, and so, uh, we're really pleased that uh, the questions that have come through from you guys as a 5pm community, and also the 10am this morning, um, are... Uh, really good ones, and it shows that you are wrestling with uh, really important things. And uh, tonight we wanted to um, uh, touch on some of those and address some of those, but um, we want to let you know that we, we don't have all the answers. Uh, in fact, we have probably very few of the answers. <laughs> but what we can provide is uh, as much experience as we have, uh, as much uh, perhaps training, uh, wisdom, um, and uh, thoughts uh, that we hope would be helpful uh, for you uh, as you journey through these questions. And, uh, and it is a journey. Um, sometimes uh, there'll, be, there'll be some things that I think I've got fully understood, uh, and then a couple of years later, something might happen, or, or someone might say something that just makes me think a bit different about something, and sometimes it'll make me completely change my mind on what I believe or what I think about something, and sometimes it'll just uh, reinforce what I already thought, and sometimes it'll just change it slightly, and, and that's why we're here this evening, just to have a conversation about these things, and perhaps that's helpful as you uh, journey through the, some of those um, tough kind of subjects, and uh, if uh, there's anything tonight that uh, you want to 
um, dig into uh, deeper. Uh, we're, we're available to chat to after the service and, and perhaps point you in the right direction for, right direction for some more uh, information. But before we get into it, I'm going to ask you guys to please introduce yourselves. Danny was here only a couple of weeks ago, uh, so hopefully everyone who was here remember you. Uh, but I'm Oliver Mensah tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the name slide? So <laughs> you were Danny Mism, I'm Oliver Mensah. <laughs> so if I haven't met you yet, my name's uh, Danny. And uh, just a funny thing, because someone this morning cheekily said that this is Andy... This is Sandy, I must be Dandy, and this is Bendy. <laughs> so there you go. Bendy. Bendy, yeah. So I'm the principal of a, of a small college here in Launceston uh, that focuses on preparing uh, people for engaging in cross-cultural ministry. So I'm one of the teachers there, and we live in a, in a community setting residentially, and that's um, how I spend my days and weeks. And I'm Sandy. Andy Sandy. Handy Sandy. No, it doesn't matter. It's all right. Uh, Sandy Hart. So most of you would uh, know me too, I hope. Good to see you. You know, I don't like Q&As because I end up having more questions than answers. I just want you to know that. But when I was 20, I had all the answers. So this is not the 20 me. This is the having lived through many changes and life. I too used to teach at the college that Danny is at now and uh, did the same in Holland and Hong Kong and then I was on the staff here for some time but these days I'm retired. Yeah, it's hard to believe but <laughs> it's true. Uh, my name is Andy, this is the first time that I've been to the five o'clock service here at Door of Hope so thanks for having me. Welcome. Yeah. Um, I'm a husband to Liz. I'm a dad of two uh, girls, Olivia and Caitlin. Um, I spent probably the last 20 years of my life uh, working uh, as a pastor in Anglican churches in different places here in Launceston, some time in Germany, and I'm from the UK originally. Somebody heard that already. They said, are you British? I said, I am. I'm British and Australian. And depending on who's ahead in the cricket, it's which team I'm barracking for on any given day. Um, is that all the questions? What do you do now? And, and now, currently, I, um, I, I have a business. I, I help leaders in organisations, whether those are businesses, schools, non-profits, government departments, helping those leaders to create healthy teams in their workplaces. So I get to do that with different organisations each week, and that's lots of fun. Yeah, awesome. Well, welcome, guys. And it's uh, really great to have you, and thank you for your time with us this evening. Uh, as I said, we got sent so many questions. Uh, we decided. Oh, are we on? Nope, there we are. Um, we decided to uh, group some of them together and uh, join some of them. Some of them were similar and that sort of thing. So we're going to try and cover all the main things that people were asking about. Uh, and I will, I will say as well, this is actually a different set of questions to what we talked about this morning. So if you weren't here this morning, uh, it'd be really worthwhile for you to uh, catch up online. Uh, and, and check out what we talked about this morning. And if there are even more questions after this, which I'm sure there probably will be, um, we have an amazing opportunity uh, coming up. Alpha course is starting really soon where, it, where we can explore uh, any of those questions um, further in more detail. But let's begin. And uh, Danny, um, I might start with you uh, because this question was um, 
similar to the morning, but a really important one, so I thought we'd, we'd ask it again. Um, uh, but a couple of questions came in um, about, uh, we read throughout the Bible of instances where God clearly talked to people, spoke to people, and uh, they were obedient and did some amazing things, and you know, Noah and his ark, and um, Moses and Abraham and all these you know, heroes of the faith that we read about. And even we hear about heroes, kind of more modern church heroes who hear from God and step out in obedience and really change the world. It's really amazing. Um, but could that possibly happen to us? How, how, do, how do we know that we've heard from God and, and can we hear from God, even ordinary day people like us? I think that question comes from a place of having um, a relationship with God and actually knowing or believing that He is a God who chooses to engage with us. And I think that's the, I think the, that's the first step, is actually recognizing that we're talking about a relational God and one who chooses to reveal Himself uh, to us. And this maybe goes back to the beginning of creation where um, things were well until... Um, we, as in humanity, tried to disobey, and we did disobey, and we were very good at disobeying God and have been doing that ever since. So I think God, in His sovereignty, in His power, and in His wisdom, has been able to reveal Himself or talk to different people, and as we have in the example of those Bible stories. And I don't know what that meant for them in terms of whether, and I think that's what the question is, if it's an audible voice, um, or whether it was an impression, whether it was a move of the Spirit. And I think um, that as we progress through history and where we find ourselves today, um, when we're talking about God speaking to us or speaking to me, what we really are saying is, what, what, what's the condition of my heart? Or how am I responding to the things that are around me and things that I believe Jesus has put in place? In other words, uh, repenting and believing or living out the kingdom. And then my activity of in prayer or reading or even having a conversation with someone might trigger something that I thought, oh, is that, is that really for me or is that something that might need more prayer or maybe I need to investigate this further. So that's what I talk about when I talk about um, hearing God, listening to God. I think a few of us can speak into this. Hey, I'm happy to. Um, I, I find I like to ask the question to myself and to others, how is God getting your attention? Because I think that opens up all the different, well, some of the different ways that God can, in fact, get our attention. Um, and, and that's a long list. I mean, I'm sure if you talk to the person next to you, what are all the different ways that you've noticed God getting your attention We'd all have different answers to that. Yet when we read, when we read His Word, different parts of it seem to catch our attention and resonate at different times. We can read the same passage two weeks apart, and different parts of it would stand out. When I'm in conversations with people, sometimes I'll have just a bit of a quickening of my spirit, and I think, oh, maybe this is. It's a good question to ask: Is this God trying to get my attention? Um, I was talking to somebody this morning, and we were sharing how. We love, as followers of Jesus, when we're in nature, when we're in the wilderness, when we're outdoors. And it's amazing. And the Bible says all creation speaks of God. So that's another way that God can get our attention. I wrote a list of four, and then I stopped. My fourth one was Pixar movies. 
Uh, there are a number of times God's got my attention through simple films that apparently are designed for kids but really speak to adults as well. I can tell you afterwards the number of Finding Nemo. Oh, amazing. Anyway, so it could be anything. Uh, I'll continue on that. I won't repeat, but they are similar ways that we know. One, one of the questions I often hear people say, how do I know it's God? How do I know it's me? How do I know that it's different? It's not the devil. You, you've had that question lots of times? Well, in a way, it's been answered by these guys. It's the state of your heart, okay? If you're in this relationship with God, there's this awareness and you get used to the voice of God. And one of the things someone wisely told me years ago, if you're really not sure, half the time it doesn't matter whether it's you or God. Just obey it if it doesn't break the law. Like you might be driving home and you get this thing, oh, maybe I should go and see Margaret or Auntie Joy or someone. What's wrong with that? And if they're not there, oh, well, you say, God, I didn't know, but I was obedient doesn't do any damage. One of the other ways I find God actually speaks is actually through dreams and quiet visions. So I usually wake during the night quite a bit and some nights there's a real sense of in my hazy state. I'm not really awake, okay? I'm awake enough not to be sleeping. A person's name might come or something might come and I think, God, that's fine. And just recently I had a dream about one of our staff members here and was able to pass that on. It was bizarre, but I felt prompted by the spirit that I should do it. And it was, didn't do any damage. But a week later, she was able to tell me how that was important for her. So don't worry if you're wondering if it's about you or God. Just if it's going to do no harm, just experiment. It's a good way to go. Yeah, and maybe just to wrap up, I, I truly believe that God wants to speak to us. And so if you feel like you haven't heard from God or you haven't for a while or you don't know, ask him to speak to you. Just ask him and then have an open mind, a uh, posture of openness to hearing from him and, and open eyes to see where and how that might be happening. Uh, all right, great. Well, let's move on um, because uh, we've got lots to get through. Uh, We recently had a series called Desire, uh, and uh, one of the big themes through that Desire series was that um, uh, most of our desires are perfectly fine, um, and uh, many of them God-given, until we we take them a bit too far, and then they can actually lead to sin. Um, Someone has asked the very good question, where is the boundary where desire, and in this question a particularly singled out sexual desire, uh, becomes sin. If desire starts off okay and, and not sinful, where, where does the, where's the line drawn where it does become sin? Who wants to take that one? I think to start with, I would just simply um, think about maybe our understanding of what we mean when we say sin um, perhaps Jesus was very um, poignant. He spent a lot of time with the Pharisees, these religious leaders of his time, and they had gotten to a point where uh, sin had become this uh, uh, line in the sand, uh, kind of like a moral code. And in order not to sin, you ought to behave a certain way, and if you fall out of that behavior, then you are sinning. 
But I think what Jesus did, though, is he came and he basically said that moral code is insufficient for the type of sin that I'm revealing now. Actually, the sin that he came to redeem us, redeem creation from, was, is much more sinister. It's more like a, like a cancer. In other words, it's like a, a status of our hearts rather than this, this idea of doing right and wrong by drawing a line in the sand. So I think that's, a, that's something to pay attention to. I think when we're thinking about sexual sin, it's not so much what is right or what is wrong. And we could talk about those things, what is right, what is wrong. But I would start by what is in my heart. In, in what way is my heart oriented towards God or not oriented towards God? And let that be the indication as to whether you should be doing something or not. Thanks, Danny. I, I think Jesus addressed this quite uh, honestly, openly, when he would say to the religious people, you've heard it been said. If you go to Matthew 5, you'll find that a few times. But then Jesus says, I, I say to you. And Jesus doesn't look at the behaviour so that you can tick the box and say I didn't sin today. Rather, he did say it's what's in the heart. And I like that you've gone there, Danny, because that is where our Lord, through the Spirit, is always wanting to work from the heart. And what's in our heart will always come out, however controlled we are, however we have the line in the sand. What's there eventually comes out. And that's where Jesus said, I'll give you a new heart. I'll change you. And I'll keep on changing you. Because believe me, the heart needs changing even when you're an old lady like me. Constantly. Okay? You want to say anything? I'm trying to remember what it was like when I was 18 or 19. And I'm having a hard job because it's a few years ago. Uh, I'm a bit older than that. I'm a bit older than that now. And I think that that question um, changes as we go through life. Uh, I'm very thankful to, um, to be married. And I'm very thankful um, that through the support and help of other humans in my life over the last 10, 15, 20, 25 years, I've had examples of other people's lives, relationships, marriages, uh, singleness, uh, and I've been able to see what it looks like when we follow Jesus in terms of our desires. And I would probably encourage us, wherever we are and whatever our past has been, to just think, who do I know, who can I connect with, who... I can imitate, and we're all imperfect, but who I can look to and go, look, I would love it if when I'm 70, my relationship would look like that when I'm 80, when I'm, when I'm 90. I didn't always find it ever so helpful to focus on what's not allowed, what I can't do. Like I'm trying to be healthy at the moment and eat less chocolate. And if my focus is don't eat chocolate, don't eat chocolate, don't eat chocolate, I spend all my time thinking about chocolate, whether I do or not. And so I I'd probably just offer that as, some, uh, uh, as a thing. Who do I know? You know, whether it's our own family, other families. Who do I know? And I can go, look, I, uh, Lord, let me, let me desire that kind of fulfilled life, single, 
married, whatever that might look like, and have a, a visible thing to desire after rather than only focusing on don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Uh, another question that's uh, related um, but different. What does the Bible say about sexual intimacy and relation outside of marriage, sexual relations outside of marriage? Andy, you want to go first? <laughs> I'm not married. Oh, you're off the hook now, aren't you, Sandy? <laughs> um, what comes to mind is when, when Jesus said, well, I say to you, Anyone who so much as looks at another man's wife is guilty of committing adultery. Um, which essentially puts us all in the same category. People who fall short of all that we could be. And uh, for me, I think in all of these sorts of conversations, the temptation as, as Christians is to f- do what the Pharisees did. To think, well, I am doing the right thing and to look down a little bit. On everybody else, and so I think again, I would I would just encourage us to to a posture of humility that says every single one of us falls short of who we can be when God has finished with us, when He's finished reforming us, renewing us, breathing His life into us. So there's nobody who's any further ahead or any back, any further back than anybody else in God's eyes. I've forgotten the question, but hopefully this has bears some, some connection to it. I think when we think about all of these sorts of things, we're in it together, we're humans together. God made a brilliant world. He gave many, many good gifts to us, and every single one of us struggles to live up to God's perfect calling on all of our lives. Yep. yep. Um, and I'd add to that and say everything that Jesus said for us none of it was designed to be rules to obey or laws that we cannot cross it was a this is what the this is how god wants you to live your life to get to so that you're living the good life so that you are living the best possible abundant life that jesus came to give you Uh, this is what it looks like Um, and if we take the posture of um, it's for our benefit and for, for our good, uh, then it's less about rules and, uh, and laws and do's and do nots and more about how does God want me to live the most abundant life that he has for me. Um, okay, slightly different. Uh, what does the Bible teach or have to say about transgender identity big question for uh, people today Christians today and uh, particularly for young Christians today okay I'll start off with this because the question is there's a question below the question what does God say about identity anyone's identity and who I am may be different from the person you see or the person I'm trying to be. You got that? So all of us at various stages in our lives have identity issues. And some will say, I'm this or I'm that, and uh, build a lifestyle or an identity on it. But true identity, who I am, can only be answered in who am I made for? Why am I here? 
And they are questions about relationship again with our creator who made us for our God. So I have identity issues constantly if I forget that I belong to God and my true identity is in Christ. So I've started at the base level for the answer. I'll let you two go on for any other. I think the, if you're looking at that question, transgender doesn't appear in the Bible. So that's the direct answer. What does the Bible say about transgender? It doesn't say anything because if you do a word search, there's no, there's no word that, that matches that. But that's not to say that the, the, the Bible, the scriptures don't talk about um, some of these things. It just doesn't mention that word. And so um, a way of thinking about this is um, maybe the story of, of Philip um, and he wakes up, I think, one day uh, in Acts. It must be around chapter 8 or thereabouts in the book of Acts. And he, he spends time with God, I think, and he basically opens himself up that day to say, what, what do you want me to do, God? It's like that listening and obeying that we've been talking about. And God says to him, I want you to go down to this place. And he's walking along this place and he sees a, um, like a carriage. And in, inside the carriage, there's a eunuch and the eunuch is reading <laughs> And he's feel, he feels prompted to sort of chase after, chase after the, the eunuch in the carriage because he can hear uh, the eunuch reading a, a portion of scripture, Isaiah, I think it is, the book of Isaiah. And I think in that story, there's, there's um, and, and they have a conversation that ultimately leads to Jesus and the eunuch is, is baptized. And I think there's a little opening there for us to think about the reality that God loves everyone where they're at. And a eunuch is obviously a very uh, aggressive method of crowd control, I would think, in those day, day and age. But this, this person was actually seeking after something that was beyond their circumstances. They were able to read, so he was a servant of some sort. He was able to read, and he was actually in a carriage, and he was responsible for the, for the gold, I think, of the queen of Ethiopia, and so he had status, he had responsibility, he was, he was well off, and yet he still had an aspect of his life that was basically incomplete and would be physically unable to fulfill some of those sexual desires that any normal human being would aspire to enjoy. And so my, I think, suggestion from that story is just simply to say that God loves all people, no matter where they're at in terms of their um, working through who they are in Christ. And, pro and probably linked with that is the sense of where we, at, where we are at is where God meets us, not where we would like to be or to improve or change. It's exactly who we are, where we're at, that God meets us. Yeah. Excuse me. So uh, <clears throat> a related question maybe to Andy to start. Uh, but flowing on from that, how can we authentically reach out to uh, people in our lives or our community who identify as LGBTQI+. So, uh, if I understand the word authentic, it essentially is that what p people see is a true representation of who I am. And the opposite would be to be inauthentic, where we're pretending to be one thing, but in reality we're, we're something else. So that's, that's important. I think our world today 
is really hungry for people who are authentic. So the, what, when, when I talk to, to Ollie, I get a sense I'm talking to who he really is. He's not putting on a mask of some kind. I think that as followers of Jesus, it is entirely authentic for us to treat every single other human being that we ever meet the same way we would want to be treated if we lived life in their shoes. I don't think I need to pretend to be anybody else in order to have that approach. If I, I've, I've actually done an exercise at one time where we would follow people around the room trying to mimic their walking style, their gait, their pace, all the rest of it to literally get an idea of what does it look like to walk in somebody else's shoes. But I think if, if we in our lives just pause for a moment or two when we're connecting with any other person and just say, what would it be like to be walking in your shoes? If I were in your shoes, how would I want to be treated? I think we get there some really good insights as to how to authentically show God's love and our respect, love, uh, regard for other people's dignity as humans in a very authentic way. The key authenticity, isn't it? Uh, Very good. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Sandy, completely different question or different topic. Here we go. How are those who lived in a different era... Um, without the knowledge of the gospel or God, there's, there's potentially millions of people that have never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus uh, and never will. How uh, will they be saved? <laughs> or will they be saved? I think, yeah. Or will they? Yeah. This is not an easy question for us to grapple with or even to appreciate because there are billions of people in this world who do not know Jesus. And uh, as a Jesus follower, most of us know and have been taught that Jesus is the only way for salvation. So what happens to those who honestly will never have an opportunity to hear It does require probably uh, two or three lectures on this, but very simply, I've I've come up with three little simple answers. One is God loves everyone. You got it? God loves everyone. And it's not, I mean, we are privileged to be within reach of the gospel. And what we do with that and what our children do with that, and what the next generation does with it, is really their decision, their choice. And uh, I think of where Christianity first started, it was the Middle East, which today is one of the least evangelized countries in the world. What have they done with Jesus over the generations? And it is in their history, it's in their culture. And Jesus actually says those It says in the scriptures, those that seek me will find me, as long as it is a seeking. And there's stories of God coming to people in in dreams and telling them someone will come. There's a story about a lady in Bangladesh. Years ago, I read her story, how she actually came to the Lord through a dream. And she somehow got hold of the scripture and knew that she had to be baptized. She baptized herself in the bath. So... God does things like that. But we also have to look in our history, our culture, our background, and know that God loves the whole world, not just anyone. And secondly, I really struggle with this, but I have to believe that God does not make mistakes. 
He's totally judge, uh, just. And he judges fairly, accurately. Uh, and he doesn't make mistakes. But the third reason I was thinking about really comes back to you and me. Our calling is and has to be mission. The person that you know won't hear unless you tell them. And so God's grand desire, grand design was for each disciple to go and tell, to go into all the world. And that's why some of us have committed our lives not just to mission in Tasmania, but mission across the countries as well. That's a hard thing. But today, thanks to how God is in this world, many of these people are coming to countries like Australia. There's a group of Iranian Christians who on the internet reach out to people back in Iran. God does not leave himself without witness. So he loves, he's just, and he invites us to be part of the story. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Maybe one more question uh, as the team come and we're about to continue in our worship. But uh, one more question to finish up. Uh, And I might, uh, maybe Andy could answer this one. Um, Because it's probably the most important question we'll ever ask. Uh, And someone has asked it and we want to answer it. Uh, and we'd really love to answer it every every week. But the question is, can I really have a personal relationship with Jesus? Mm. It sounds strange to have a friendship with someone I can't ever see. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Shall I say a bit more? Let me give the longer answer. Yeah. Yeah. The, thing that, the thing that I think sets... Christianity apart from all other faiths, systems, beliefs, is that we are following a God who went so far out of his way to draw near to us. All the truth in Scripture, all the Gospels, all the eyewitness accounts of Jesus are accounts of God eschewing all the power and the grandeur of heaven in order to become not just a human, but a baby uh, in an out-of-the-way, unknown, looked-down-upon part of the world. He went a long, 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 long way to connect with us. And that's the testimony of the Gospels, and the whole of Scripture. That's weird. (laughs) That is unusual. So there is something unusual about thinking, well, that means that I can have a friendship with the God who created heaven and earth. So I'm glad it sounds weird, because it is. But it's beautiful. It's life-changing. It changes the direction of our lives and if you're asking that question keep asking it keep searching keep hungering keep wondering could I have a friendship connection 
intimate relationship with the same God whose hands flung the stars into space. Keep wondering. Absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, Let's thank uh, these three panellists for their time, their wisdom. And we're going to keep singing in just a moment. But um, uh, before we do, I I think it would be a really great opportunity to give us an opportunity to respond uh, and particularly respond to that last question. Can I really have a relationship with Jesus? Is it possible? And uh, well, we've we talked about hearing from God as well tonight. And uh, maybe uh, it's on my heart maybe to pray for people who want to hear from God. And so maybe we can do that as well. Uh, but why don't we stand uh, in preparation to, to sing in just a moment. We're about to sing about God's overwhelming love for us. And as, as Andy explained, he went beyond uh, the extra mile. He went beyond what is normal. Uh, he was uh, reckless with his love. And uh, perhaps tonight you're here and, and you haven't kind of really grasped that yet. And uh, so I'm going to invite you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and uh, I'm about to pray a really simple prayer uh, that invites Jesus into our lives. And maybe, uh, maybe this is something you want to do for the very first time. Maybe it's, uh, you're ready to invite Him into your life and experience that personal relationship that we've been talking about for the very first time. Or perhaps it's... Maybe you felt a drifting. Maybe you felt a disconnect with Jesus for a while. Maybe whatever has happened in life, maybe some questions that you've had that haven't been answered to your satisfaction or perhaps some events that have happened in your life just put some doubts in your mind. And Maybe you've drifted for a while and you don't feel that connection with Jesus anymore. You don't feel that personal relationship with Him. I'm going to pray this prayer, maybe you want to pray that prayer as well. Just invite him back. You know, Jesus actually hasn't gone anywhere and he is waiting for us. Uh, Jesus actually explained this in a, in a story saying he's, he's like the father with open arms who are, who's just waiting for you to run back into his arms. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone away from him, he is just waiting for you to return. So I'm going to pray uh, this prayer. Maybe you want to join along with me. Lord Jesus, Lord, we are just thankful. We come before you with thankful hearts. We, we are thankful for what you did on the cross. And... Uh, Lord, we we come before you as imperfect people, each and every one of us. And Lord, it's only by accepting you into our lives and having that personal relationship with you that, that our lives even have purpose or make sense. And Lord, there are people in this room who don't understand what this purpose is in life. 
maybe life just makes no sense at all. Maybe there are people here in this room who have never had a personal connection with you. Or maybe there are people in this room or watching us online this evening who maybe once felt a closeness with you but haven't done for quite some time. Lord, would you re-enter our lives? Lord, we accept what you did on the cross for us, that you rose again three days later, as we just celebrated a few weeks back at Easter. But Lord, we accept you into our lives and we give you permission to take over our lives, to take over the leadership of our lives. Lord, we want to go your way. We we don't want to go our own way anymore, Lord, but we want to follow you and we accept you into our lives. Lord, we thank you for this love that you have for each and every one of us and thank you that we can have a personal relationship with you. And I also want to pray for you if if you want to hear from God. And we we talked about that earlier and, and I said, God wants, His desire is to connect with us on a personal level. And maybe you have accepted Him into your life and maybe you have been journeying with Jesus for a while, but maybe you have never felt that you've actually heard from God. Or maybe it's been so long that you don't even know what that sounds like or feels like. And maybe you just so desperately want to hear from Jesus tonight. And I wonder if, if that's you and you want to hear from God in your life. And there's no shame in that. I want to hear more of Jesus and more of God in my life. That's for sure. I'll be the first to put my hand up. But maybe you want to raise your hand just to say, Lord, I want to hear more of you. I want to speak to me, Lord. I want to hear more of your voice in my life. I want to hear what it is that you have for me for the people around me, for my family, for my business, for my school friends, for our church community. I want to hear from you. I'm going to pray and and maybe as we do, you would pray along with me as well. But Lord, we believe that you speak and you don't just speak to special people. Uh, In fact, you exclusively speak to normal people (laughs) and that includes us it's only actually until after we obey what you've told us to do that we (laughs) that we do anything significant anyway lord every single person that we read about in your word who heard from you and did amazing amazing things that changed the world were just ordinary people who listened and heard from you and obeyed Lord, would you speak to us just like you spoke to those people? Lord, would you give us ears to hear your voice, eyes to see where you're moving? Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you speak through other people as a community. Thank you that you speak to us sometimes just flat out, obviously, and sometimes it's, it's through 
a gentle whisper. And sometimes we have to test it. Sometimes it's just so obvious that we can't even think that it's anything else. But Lord, you speak to us in so many ways. But Lord, for these people who uh, have their hands up, have had their hands up in the room, but also online right now, Lord, I, I ask that you would speak to them personally. Lord, you would make your voice clear to people tonight. Lord, that every single person who's popped their hand up would would know with certainty that you have spoken to them. Whatever it is you have to say, Lord, we're listening. Lord, would you bring clarity, but also would you bring boldness and courage? Because quite often when you speak to us, you also invite us to respond and to obey. And so, Lord, would you give us courage? Would you give us boldness to obey whatever it is that you speak to us about? And as we sing this uh, next song and, and the songs and continue to worship tonight, would you, would your Holy Spirit just be moving in this room and, and online? And would you be just constantly speaking to us? And, and Lord, we just desire more of you just as I am more of you. And we ask this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.